two things. Do your due diligence. Do not skip the step because it's going to save you a lot of trouble. And I, 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 can, I can tell you, I have skipped and break my own rules and I always get in trouble. And the second thing is surround yourself with a community that support you and tell you, tell you about the real stuff, about how real estate happened. So find that community, find that tribe that can support you, that can answer questions for you when you don't know. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam, AAA Adams, the win-win maker. And I'm always here trying to work on ways to think outside the box to help you get more deals done. And one of the things that will help you get more deals done is if you don't have to do deals with just your own money. Even if you have a substantial amount of money, it can help you to be able to raise capital from other people. And that's a thing that I do one-on-one coaching and consulting with is how do you brand yourself to start attracting that capital? And there's a few details uh, after you've branded yourself that are very, very, very important. And I'm going to have Jen Maldonado on the show with us who's going to really answer some of these questions that you have in mind. Well, is it is it enough just to brand myself to attract capital? Is it enough just to have a podcast that helps, um, you know, uh, passive investors? Is it enough to just host a meetup? And I'll say, uh, no, absolutely not. That's the beginning of it. And then you're going to need to know, you know, how do you approach them? How do you structure the deals with them? How do you vet sponsors? How do you um, ask, how do you know exactly what matters to the investors? And that's why I have Jen Maldonado on the show today. So she actually also teaches people how do you raise more capital? She lives out in Los Angeles. She's been, or in the LA area, right? Yes. Okay. okay. And she's and she's <laughs> been doing um, real estate for over six years. She's been uh, raising capital for over six years. Just last week, she raised $700,000. So uh, she knows what she's talking about. And she has a lot of clients, a lot of students. They're also raising plenty of money for their deals. And what you can do is just go to jenmaldonado.com. It's that simple. Just go to jenmaldonado.com. And if you go through there, you can actually see some of the testimonials from her clients as well. So I'm excited to have you on the show, Jen. Just before we get started, though, give us, uh, is there part of your background that you uh, feel like you need to share as it pertains to today's conversation that I've missed in your bio? Um, <laughs> potentially my, my background is completely different, Adams. It's, I come from an engineering background, industrial engineering. I used to be in the corporate world. I worked for top 500 fortunes company and it was pharma and also it was, uh, prepare foods. <laughs> so very different. Um, I ended in real estate and I will tell you the story later, uh, but yeah, it was a completely different background. Did that for almost a decade, and I decided that I wanted to create a lifestyle. I wanted to have a completely different kind of, you know, way of creating my own life. Got it, got it. And you chose that real estate would be the best way for you to control and create your own life. Is that right? Correct, yes. So, um, 
this started about six years ago when you started raising capital. Tell me about just your very first deal ever. Let's just go back to the first deal, whether you raised money for it or you just use your own money. Um, let's just go back to the beginning. What year was it? And um, tell me more about that property. Definitely. I, I was lucky because I got into it when it was a perfect timing. It was 2012 when I was working for Nestle uh, in Glendale, California, and I needed to move. So I, I was trying to find a different thing to do with my life. I spoke with my brother and he talked to me about the purple book. I call it the <laughs> real estate Bible, the rich dad, poor dad. And as soon as I saw uh, that and read the book, I, I knew that I wanted to do real estate. Of course, I played Monopoly and all of those things when I was a little girl, but this is the first time that I was able to visualize myself getting into real estate. So I, I enrolled in, in the Reach That classes in 2012, and in three months, I got my first duplex in Burbank, California. And I got that duplex, and I didn't even have an idea that you could use other people's money. But what I have is I was working in corporate, I was making okay money, and I have my 401k. And for the first time, I heard that you were able to borrow from your 401k and use it as a down payment for the acquisition of your property, of your home. So I went ahead and used that money. That was the first time I saw a check for $12,000. And that was very scary for me. And why was that? Because I didn't have an idea what an escrow was. That tells you how much I knew about real estate. And I went ahead, got that property. And actually what happened is that property, because it was a duplex, it was covering almost 70% of my mortgage. And not only that, I mean, I bought it in California on 2012. So my equity went through the roof. And what I did is I ended selling that property and exchanging for an, a couple of other apartment buildings. And I think that that was one of the best deals. I ended doing net $250,000 just on equity without considering, uh, you know, the deductions because the deduction on my taxes. I mean, I, I was single at that time. I, don't, I didn't have, I don't have kids, so I needed it right off. So it makes a huge difference on my taxes too. And that was my first deal. And it was in Burbank, California. So now you can't find any deals uh, for that price. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Thank you for going into that. You said that you exchanged it for a couple of apartments. Um, you know, how, what, what size were they? Was it a 1031 exchange? Um, just kind of going from that first deal to the second deal. And then we'll dive into just kind of getting those strategies that I really know that the listener popped on here for because they want to know after I branded myself and everybody knows that I'm, you know, the right person to be putting their money with, how do I do the tactical stuff? How do I do the tactical? I don't even think I'm saying it right. Tactical. There we go. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Tactical. I was, I think I was mixing the word tactful and tactical. And uh, yeah, that's embarrassing, but that's okay. We won't even edit it out, but they're going to be asking, they, the listener, you are going to be asking, you know, after I brand myself, after I am, am famous and I have a podcast and everybody knows me, how do I really start raising that money for my deals? Um, so we're going to get into that, but I want to understand 
you went from this one uh, single family in Burbank, California, and you exchanged it for two apartments uh, soon after. What size were they? What did they look like? How old were they? Um, give us just a, a, a brief rundown, and then we'll get into the tactical information. Okay, great. Um, I did, before I close or even before I open escrow, I talked to a 1031 exchange expert and I asked them a lot of questions because my house was a duplex. So I was living in one side and renting the other one. So the rules are a little bit picky, but those apartments was one in Houston, Texas, and the other one in Cleveland, Ohio. One was a fourplex, the other one a triplex. And what I did is I leveraged uh, institutional money because at that time I had a W-2, so I was able to qualify. So I, I did the 1031 exchange, bought the four units in Houston and Cleveland, Ohio, and then I was cash flowing much more than what I have for you know my, my house that at least it was helping to pay. But that's what I did. And I mean, it was a really good cash flow. At that time, I was planning to leave my job. So I really needed that cash flow to start preparing myself to quit my job. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Thank you for going into that. So now, um, the first question that I really want to ask you is, how do you, how does one really start to to go and find potential passive investors or private money lenders? Like where do we go to find them? How do we talk to them? Like what's the process of even knowing those people with money that want to be invested in deals? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I even wrote a report, a free report that people can find in the website about the top places to find private investors. I, I do believe it's important to how much money you're going to be raising before you go out there and jumping because that can change your strategy. But if you ask me, where do I go to find my private investors? Uh, the first thing I do is I, I start with friends and family. It's the low-hanging fruit. And if there is some people that mostly knows you, either they're your friends or your family. And I know that this is a little bit complicated because a lot of people do not want to bring their family members or their friends because they think that when they're sharing what they're doing, they're jeopardizing their relationship. And I actually, in that report, show you how, how do you correct some of these challenges? How do you really work with family and friends? I mean, it's still an investment and you're providing them an opportunity to create wealth with you. And if you don't do it, someone else will. And that's for sure. So I, I will say friends and family is the first place you go. And even if they don't have money, Adam, my first place to go is them because I get to practice with them and I have them make, pretending that they have the money. So it becomes a really fun thing to do with them. And plus, when they have a little bit of money, they call me, right? So it's, it's a really good thing for me. The second place I love to go, it's what you do, online presence. You know, from podcasts to YouTube to just sharing about your first project in Facebook. People do not realize that this is not about selling or anything. It's about just sharing what you're doing in real estate. And the moment that you start doing that, you will start having messages of people that say, oh, I always wanted to invest in real estate. How are you doing that? Can you call me? Can we chat? And it's as simple as this. You don't sell. And of course, there are some regulations that you cannot be advertising for, you know, investors to come to your projects like that. 
But in, in general, just sharing what you're doing in real estate or where you are heading in real estate, open the door for those people that you are already connected in social media to come to you and speak to you and ask you questions about real estate investing. That's the second place. The other place, and, and I love this one, is networking. And people ask me, yeah, everyone say networking, but how do you do this? I do not network like the other regular investors. If I need decision makers quickly, I will go to real estate investment clubs, right? Because they can make decisions really quick. But if you ask me where I'm networking, I'm going to the doctors, to the lawyers, to the accountants events, and I just meet them and they ask me what I do and all of them are that is specific profession, but they're basic professionals looking for alternative investment either to lower their taxes, to make their money work, and they're not intending to learn how to do real estate because they're already busy with their own professions. So I network on those places. I love to go there. I, and, and I actually have some family members, so I'm always talking to them to learn more about uh, the different topics, some medical stuff and lawyer stuff and all of that. But it's really interesting. I just have fun with it. And sometimes even charity events. I mean, there's people with money that they have a good heart. And I love to work with people that, they don't only have money and make money and create wealth, but they also give back to they give back to the community. That's the kind of people I love to surround myself. So I will go and do that too. And I will consider my hobbies too. You know, I love wine. I will go to a winery and talk to a lot of people that have wineries or they just love wine. And I just happen to meet some people and they ask me what they what I do and I share with them. So, but those are some of the places I go and network. Now, another place that is one of my favorites is I love to hang out with retirement fund leaders. What does that mean? I'm talking about the people that handle the 401ks, the self-directed, the cash value insurance policies, the people in finances. Why? Because their clients need other investment alternatives to complement what, what they have already or even accelerate the growth of that money. And right now there's like trillions of dollars in retirement accounts. So if you're thinking about baby boomers, if you're thinking about money, where the money is in the US, that's your wealth right there. Everything is in retirement accounts, right? Everyone wants to retire, but they need someone to help them reach those goals. So that's another place. And of course, I run my own meetup. That's another uh, way that I do it. But I also go to different real estate clubs and most of the leaders ask me to talk about raising capital because they see raising capital of these cliche. No one want to talk about finances. No one want to talk about how much money they have. And for me, it's just asking like, how old are you and how much money you have? So it takes practice. It's not something that happens so naturally. It takes practice. So how do you really approach them? What is that first step? For me, it's about them. I, when I'm going to talk to investors, Adam, I put my agenda on my pocket. Because the moment I do that, I show my investors that I want to know exactly what is that they really need. And I ask them questions about, have you invested in real estate before? Or 
why are you here in this network event or why did you invest in a 401k solo or I ask them all of those questions openly and you will be surprised some people they look at you weird but they will tend to answer maybe because I'm a woman <laughs> I, I use that on my advantage but for the guys you know be open with them and ask them hey yeah you're investing tell me more about you tell me more about what you're investing on Tell me about what, when was your last investment? That's a critical question for me. Because if they tell me I haven't invested in real estate before, my approach with them will be completely different than the ones that have invested multiple times and they just funded a deal last week or last, yesterday, right? And the reason why I do that is the ones that haven't invested yet, I'm not going to bring them to my deal right away. I'm going to make sure that either I share with them some resources that they can consult, uh, third-party resources. I will send them to events so they learn and they really appreciate that because they know that I'm not here to take their money. I'm here to help them grow and learn how to invest in real estate. So let me ask you, you've, you've given a ton of like really good tactical (laughs) advice (laughs) on actually um and on actually picking up new investors some of the things that i really loved is the your advice is opposite from all of the advice that i get from most of the coaches and mentors which um most of them their their clients are not getting results and it's because they're telling them to go to real estate events because you know that they're interested in real estate, but you're doing something different and it's, it's extremely important to at least um, bring it out so that, that it's clear that you're going to the wineries, you're going to charity events, you're going to events where there's doctors and lawyers, you're talking about retirement fund leaders. And I really believe that's one of the reasons why you and your clients are being successful is because you're focused on that. So uh, first off, just thank you for all the amazing advice that you're giving us on how to really truly find passive investors. Now to the listener, if, if, if you go to just all the real estate events, yeah, of course, you're going to find some passive investors. But if you go to the doctor events, the attorney events, these types of investors are going to be uh, highly likely going to be easier for you to work with. They're going to have more money, uh, free, liquid, and available and they're going to be um, tied up and busy with making a lot of money with their job. And so it really makes sense for them to work with somebody like you who, who can help them put their money to work. So just huge, huge, huge value so far. And that's just one question on the podcast. So just Jen, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome stuff. The next one that I was going to ask is, just ways that you structure the deal. Um, so I believe that the listener is is on there thinking, you know, that's all fine and dandy that I have the investors. Now I found them, but like, how do I even structure putting their money to work? So um, what are a couple of ways that you found to be useful um, with you and your clients to to be able to structure deals for passive investment? Do you have a website that gives you credibility and captures leads? ApartmentInvestorPro.com can help you get a professional website today. Can you build your investor list without a website? Sure, just like you can cut down a tree 
with a pocket knife, but why would you when you could use a chainsaw? Typically, building a professional website can be a real pain, taking thousands of dollars and months of your time. One syndicator said it took him 10 months on his own. Another had to go to three different companies before getting something usable. ApartmentInvestorPro.com makes it quick and painless. All the designs and content is already created. With 15 years of experience building websites for investors, ApartmentInvestorPro.com gives you peace of mind and lets you focus your time on finding deals and investors. These powerful websites capture contact information from your potential investors. You can even automate the follow-up process. No more letting good investor leads fall through the cracks. Save 10% on your website by going to apartmentinvestorpro.com and using promo code CREATIVE. That link is in today's show notes. Definitely. It's, it's pretty simple. And once you find an investor and you understand what they want, there's three things I, I always ask them. One, do you like big fat checks? Do you like the monthly income or do you like both? And the reason why I ask that is because either I'm going to struck debt where they are going to have X documentation that I'm going to pay them or my partners are going to pay them monthly debt equity. So once that we complete the project and we do whatever is that we're going to do, they're going to get the cash and their principal, or it's going to be a combination of them. We're going to have some equity or and some debt. So that's how simple I structure deals and yeah, the legal stuff, it depends if I'm mingling foreign funds or not. But then at that time, we're talking about syndications and multiple different complex stuff. I think it's really smart that you take the time to ask questions. You already mentioned that right before I interrupted you. You were really talking about uh, when, you're, when you're meeting the past investor, how you start by asking questions. You start by trying to get to know them and, and their goals and what they've done so that you can then understand where to take the conversation. And now we're talking about you know, um, how to structure the deal and you're already um, mentioning that it starts with questions. I like how you don't have an agenda. I like how you um, really find out more about them, what their goals are, where they want to go, so that you can, you can cater everything toward that past investor. I think of it like a doctor, and we've been talking a little bit about doctors for a little while, um, two things. Number one, I was just listening to uh, a book. I, I don't read books. I listen to them. But I was just listening to a book on, on a trip recently, and it talked about how there's two different types of doctors. And one of them, they're, excuse me, they purposefully sent out two different types of doctors. One doctor that asked a lot of questions before they prescribed something and one doctor that went right in and just prescribed because they knew and it was obvious. And, um, you know, the doctor who prescribed it ahead of time, who felt like they were so smart that they knew everything, they actually got worse reviews. Even though they, even though they tended to be the smarter, better doctor, the other doctor that tended to ask critical questions slowly, carefully. Does it hurt here? Does it hurt here? What if you turn your head like this? What if you move your arm this way? What, do, what happens in the morning? What happens here? And then they come and say the exact same advice, but one of the doctors asks a lot of questions first. Um, the, the patients of the doctor who asks questions, all of those questions feel like they got the best care. They got the best result, even though the result was literally exactly the same. 
So here you are uh, focusing on asking the questions, and I really think what that means to your passive investor, let's call your passive investor the patient, and we'll call you the doctor. Mm-hmm. As, as you ask those questions, they're like, oh, yeah, they, this Jen really cares about me. Jen r- really is catering toward me. She has all these different products. And she has all these different services. She has all these different possibilities, places, investment vehicles she could place me in, and she's really taking the time to make sure that I'm not going into something bad. So let me just repeat, repeat those questions that you asked for structuring the deal. You said, do you prefer big fat checks? I love the way you say that. <laughs> or uh, do you prefer um, cash flow? Mm-hmm. Or do you prefer both? And now you can have them say, you know, do I need cash flow? Do I not need cash flow? And that allows them a, a, a chance to really share with you what they're looking for. And I think, I think that's brilliant. So that helps you know how you're going to structure the deal, either if it's debt or equity or something that's a combination. And um, I also wanted to know, there's, there's some people listening that they might be like incredibly new um, to working with past investors. So, I mean, what um, I think you started to say earlier is, what do you really truly say to a past investor? Like, where do you, where do you even take the conversation? Do you, do you have any advice on, on that for a new person? Yeah, definitely. Um, when I started, I didn't have any experience. I only bought that duplex. I didn't have an idea how to do real estate, right? And the first thing I will do is if I was talking to a real estate person that they have experience I will tell them, tell me about what do you invest and why. And for a person that didn't have an idea, I will let them know I am start, I started investing in real estate and I'm bringing opportunities to people that might want to make some money to. Uh, of course, that got refined as I move forward because I now talk, tell them like I invest only in real estate high performance deals and with mitigated risks. And that's like, because I know I want to attract certain amount, certain type of investors. But I will go there and ask them first, what kind of investments you do in the past? I make them about them. Tell me your story if they are they have experience in real estate. And if they don't, I tell them that I am investing in real estate. And I will actually ask them, have you ever considered to invest in real estate? And what do you know? Simple yeah. as that. Yeah. No, one thing that I've noticed um, is in my in in my experience and and my team we've raised a few million dollars as well and and one thing I really have have noticed with different passive investors is that they don't always care about the exact same things that we care about like sometimes we care we tend to care or at least in the beginning we're like well we need to close this deal I need to close this deal I need to close this deal I need to raise money um, and that's not technically what the past investors are usually caring about, at least in my experience. So um, based on your experience and, and the experience of some of your clients, what really matters to most of these past investors? Like what are some key po- components that, that we really ought to be considering um, as we approach a past investor, thinking about them more than we're thinking about ourselves? So what matters to a past investor? It's, I have... One simple question for you is what is their risk? They will express that in different ways. 
either they can talk about uh, how long do I, is my money going to be tied up with you? What is your experience? And they're going to ask hundreds of questions about you, about the project, about the numbers. It is what it is. But what they want to know is if I give you this money, which what kind of risk I'm taking? And if you as a person know how to create certainty for them, they will make decisions like this if you provide the proper information to for them. I it's, like it's that like that. <laughs> yeah. I I really like how simple you make that. Um I I always like I always teach my clients and other people on the podcast there's four things that matter the deal, the market, the team, and the business plan. And really, um, all of that can be summed up with what's my risk? What's the risk? And, um, you know, the, the questions um, around the deal, the market, the team, and the business plan are all the underlying, you know, what's the risk? What's, what's going on here? Um, and Joe Fairless, he's, he's also, he's raised millions as well. He always he always says, um, you know, the real thing that most of the past, the past investors are worried about is, is more of like, what's my return of capital, not return on capital. I don't know if you've heard that. He always says, he's always like, they care more about the protecting their capital than they care about really like what's the return. Because if you don't get your money back at all, like it, the, the, the return percentage is, is meaningless. So very useful stuff. I love how, how simple you can put that. It's just, what's the risk? What's, what am I risk risking here investing with you in this deal in this market? So perfect stuff. Um, the next one that I really wanted to dive into is right before we started, uh, we pushed record today. You, you mentioned that sometimes you work with other, uh, other sponsors, you'll, you'll co-sponsor a deal and you, you, um, already have like those relationships with some of the passive investors, um, you know, for forgetting about not forgetting about, but ignoring that we're not the attorneys here and just talking about the legalities around how it works or how it doesn't work. I really want to dive into this one thing. Um, it's important to vet a sponsor. I noticed that um, when you and I were talking a little bit earlier, you said to me, um, that you had a property that you invested in, and it actually the the sponsors taken it you know two years past the expectation, and so there's a lot of things that we need to worry about. We need to worry about Ponzi schemes. We need to worry about if can they even do this business plan that they're talking about. Maybe someone else could do it but how do we know if they can do the business plan? So I think this will be a valuable question for anyone who's a passive investor for sure, but certainly also anyone who wants to partner with somebody who has already got a track record. Um, so the question is based on your experience of, of having a deal go two years past when it was promised, um, how do you truly vet a, a sponsor or another sponsor before you invest your own money or other people's money? Yeah, I will say that I have six requirements and just the four components that you mentioned, the team, the business plan, the deal and all of that, that for me is one right there. It's, it's how achievable is their plan. And when I say how achievable is who is behind it, what is their experience, what is their financial capability and multiple ramifications. 
The second thing is I want to know who they are as human beings because character, you, it can be defined in simple actions. So I'm pretty observant in everything that they do. I do not jump into a relationship with a sponsor. If I met you yesterday and tomorrow, we're going into a relationship. That's not going to happen. We need to know each other and I want to see your projects. So when I say projects, that's the third thing. I want to see the quality of the work and not only because I want to know how they are doing the projects, but I, I believe that how you do one thing, it's how you do most things. <laughs> and I'm just going to leave it there. But I want to know that. The other thing is I actually do a background check. I go and I do a background check because I already noticed that when there's things in your record, there's a highly probably reason why when things do not go in a specific way, this person might not step up in the plate and take the leadership that they should be taking as operators or as sponsors. So that's another thing I do. The other thing I do, I actually talk to other investors and I want to know other people who invest with them because they are not going to lie to you. And I know that there's some confidence, confidential stuff, but you know, if there, there's a way I can find that out, I will. And I will talk to them because they will tell me how it is. And the other thing that is something that I learned potentially three years ago is what is their communication patterns? Because if you're ghosting out to the people providing the money or you are giving them a one sentence to tell me about the update of the project, that's not someone I want to work with because now you're cutting me short. So you want to make sure that my, I want to make sure that the people that are working with, they're providing good information to understand. Even if you're delayed two years, okay, I want to know what's going on. What is the action plan? Because here we are in a partnership and things don't go in real estate. Things don't go as planned ever. But at least if you can keep that communication in many aspects, then you are someone I will definitely consider to invest. And I will invest my money before bringing other investors to the table. There was actually... Um three times that I can, and I don't want to spend too much time on these, but just, I almost got into business with one person who we would have been bringing some of the capital and partnering, co-sponsoring on uh, a larger syndication. My team would have made um, a lot of money just in an acquisition fee. So in syndication, you can make this upfront money when you buy. Uh, and so we were set to make, um, you know, a year's worth of income and it was going to be phenomenal for us. And we actually had a, a passive investor that listens to my show that um, did the did the background check on this person and I didn't do it, found out that they actually had uh, a securities violation. Another time, we were about to do something almost exactly the same. It was another larger property, and we got word that late in the game, we got word that um, there was a lack of communication with past investors and that current 
partners knew very well that there was some robbing to Peter, robbing Peter to pay Paul actions happening where they would take siphon out some of the money that one of the properties was making to put it into a different property to make sure that we could pay the bills there, um, which is a total complete securities violation when you're raising money from other people. And so, you know, you know, two strikes, we, my, my team had to pull out completely so late in the game and um, lose out on a significant acquisition fee. Again, um, just lucky that we did the due diligence on time on that one. And, and the third one is one where um, we, we, we jumped into it a little bit too early, into working with somebody a little bit too early. And the, there is a lack of communication in that deal. There is, um, there is a tendency for this team who was newer than we expected or thought or, or yeah, they were, they were a little bit more novice than what we wanted them to be. Um, they continued to buy more and more deals and, and go into worse and worse neighborhoods. Um, you know, C class to D class, um, hundred thousand people in, in a neighborhood down to, um, uh, or in an MSA down to 3,000 in an MSA, um, looking for cap rates and chasing things and being all over the board. And they're really in a bad, tough spot right now. And um, it's unfortunate that we partnered with them. And so I, I just, I want to share that what you are going through with your six requirements, it's the, this sounds like real absolute gold that can solve us from the three situations that I just mentioned, the situation where you had a, uh, you have this property that's two years past. Is there a resource where we can go to just get those six requirements? Like, is that on your website where we can actually have that? I do not have that. I do have that on my class. In the class. Okay. So if you, if we're going to be working with you, you'll share in detail all of these requirements. Okay. Cause I think we can move, on to the next thing. And if someone wants to kind of look into your class, I think they can find it at jenmaldonado.com. Yes. But, but as far as um, it, what I noticed is each of the six steps, even some of them had multiple questions within them to really make sure you're doing enough due diligence. So good, good stuff. And thank you for going into that. I, I wanted to find out on, on the next question that I have is is really just kind of my my wrap up question. I think that we we've learned honestly. I've gotten a I've gotten value from sitting down with you for the last half hour or so. I want to know um, what do you, what would you say is the absolute best way for the listener to connect more with you? Um, I know you have events that come up. I know that you have your coaching program. What's the best way for the listener to really just find Jen Maldonado? Well, the first one definitely is the website and people can get free stuff there. If you're looking for freebies, just go there. That's available and I have great information and I share really good events too through through my website, coming events that I recommend. I'm not affiliated or associated with them, but I know they're great value. And then every year in one of my communities, we run the Ignite Your Fire Within this is more for women, but if you want to see me or connect with, with me, just you can visit the event, go by. I speak at that event 
And I speak at different real estate clubs too about raising capital. But that will be the easiest way to connect with me through my website. And, you know, my team will make sure that they send me the information. If you're listening, don't even worry. Um, You just can, all you really need to do right now is just scroll down a little bit and you'll see in the show notes, it doesn't even matter what platform you're on right now, but just scroll down a bit and you'll see the link. It'll say, this is how you connect with Jen. And it's the jenmaldonado.com. You don't even have to type it in. You can literally just scroll down right now and just click that right now. Head over to her website, learn a little bit more about what she's doing. Grab those freebies. Jen, I'm grateful to have you on the show. I want you to, to wrap us up with some parting advice and, and then we'll say goodbye to you. Um, and advice about... About anything. I know I put you completely on the spot, but just <laughs> knowing, knowing uh, what we were able to cover today um, on, on the show and what we haven't yet covered, what's something else that the listener can really take and just be more successful because they got that piece of information from you? Two things. Do your due diligence. Do not skip the step because it's going to save you a lot of trouble. And I, 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 can, I can tell you, I have skipped and break my own rules and I always get in trouble. And the second thing is surround yourself with a community that support you and tell you, tell you about the real stuff, about how real estate happened. So find that community, find that tribe that can support you, that can answer questions for you when you don't know. And keep listening to the podcast. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Awesome. So definitely agree with you. Listeners, go and make sure you have a really good group of people that you're going to be with and do your due diligence. Go to jenmaldonado.com. Jen, I'm going to let you go. But until next time, my friend, think outside the box. Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought you'd be further along financially by now? If so, you're not alone. Many people find themselves wanting to ditch their 9 to 5, wishing they had more time with their family. What most people want is to simply live the life that they choose, and with plenty of money to do so. The good news is you can live an abundant life through apartment investing. Mark and Tamil Kenny with Think Multifamily help you take back the time and freedom so that you can live free from the stresses that burden so many. Through multifamily investing, they teach you how to set your family up for a lifetime of true success and fulfillment. They have helped hundreds of people just like you. Patrick, for example, who since working with Think Multifamily has purchased over 900 units with another 850 under contract. And at 27 years old, was able to quit his demanding job in corporate America. Regardless of your age or profession, Think Multifamily can help you create the life of your dreams. As hosts of the new Think Multifamily podcast, Mark and Tamil will walk you through the journey step-by-step to make sure you are completely set up for success. Through this interview-style podcast, you will gain a proven strategic apartment investing system and hear stories from successful investors, all to help you be light years ahead of those who try to do it alone. Subscribe to the Think Multifamily podcast today at thinkmultifamily.com forward slash podcast.